weekend to you. Welcome to Leading Edge. I'm Jerry Anderson. Good to see you. Good to have you along. The former president comes to Ohio and does so just a week after issuing a surprise, I put a question mark there, surprise endorsement in the hotly contested Republican primary for the United States Senate seat being vacated by Rob Portman, who is not seeking re-election, citing, by the way, the toxic atmosphere surrounding government and politics in Washington. And let's not forget, we're also electing a governor this year, and there's competition on both sides of the ballot there. So let's get to it right now, as I want to welcome into our program um, the communications director for the Ohio Republican Party. He is Dan Lushek. Uh, Mr. Lushek, welcome. He's also, uh, I want to get this right, Marine Corps reservist even now. Is that right? Um, in the inactive ready reserve right now, uh, stopped drilling with, uh, with 325 this past summer. Well, I want to thank you for your service. That's why I wanted to get that in there, Dan. Uh, If there was, boy, the events of the past week from the Republican side, if there was any, any question, ever any question over whether the Republican primary was a referendum or reflection on Donald Trump's influence and control over the Ohio Republican Party and his voters, that doubt has been erased this week, hasn't it? Well, you know, I would I would say this. Uh, this this Saturday, um, you know, the president's coming to Ohio. He is endorsed in the in the U.S. Senate primary. Uh, the Ohio Republican Party and our 66 member committee has not made an endorsement there. But what we're going to see is Ohio voters excited to welcome the president back to the Buckeye State. He he won Ohio in 2016 and 2020 by eight points. Um, you know, Ohio Republicans think very highly of the president. And we're really excited to hear what he has to say did, uh, this weekend. Did, Dan, did the Donald Trump endorsement surprise you and other party leaders? I'm not talking so much about the person or the candidate that he endorsed, but the fact that there even was one. That means all of those, so many of those candidates have been bending over backwards to pledge support and utmost allegiance to the former president. Did you guys kind of think he'd just let voters have their say in the primary and then, of course, engage by November? You know, for months, there's been speculation about what the president may or may not do in this race. Uh, What we as a party have taken from it is that, you know, the president is very engaged in Ohio. He cares about what happens in in Ohio. He he loves the people. He receives warm welcomes every time he comes here. And and we're really happy to see that he's engaged and he's going to be an important factor for for helping us beat the Democrats in November. Uh, Parties always say that their candidates, hey, we'll all come together and rally around the party nominee. But boy, watching your the TV ads from your candidates, uh, watching some candidate debates, I mean, Mandel and Gibbons were about to throw down. How, don't you risk losing some of those supporters after such a fever-pitched primary? Well, if you, if you want to talk to someone who's fever-pitched, go out into uh, the majority of the counties in Ohio and talk about Joe Biden's disastrous agenda and how much more they're paying at the pump and at the grocery store and to live their everyday lives. Look, there's no doubt that this has been, you know, a, a hard fought primary amongst Republicans. But at the end of the day, what, what Ohio voters care about is, is ensuring that Democrats no longer have control of the U.S. Senate. And, and an important factor of that is going to be beating Tim Ryan um, here in Ohio in November. Um, My guess is Dan really Lushek. What, what we're excited to, you know move on to when this primary is over. My guess is Dan Leshek, and see, he's a communications director. He knows what we're doing here. And he led me right to where I wanted to go because the former president, Dan, made it clear that his endorsement was about holding that seat in November. 
he chose J.D. Vance. That would indicate he wasn't convinced that Mandel, Gibbons, Timken could get the Dolan could get the job done. What do you think made him nervous about their candidacies in general? You know, I, I certainly would not be so bold as to, to speak for the president. Um, oh, go ahead. I don't know all the conversations <laughs> that he has or hasn't had with, with various folks across Ohio. Um, but I certainly think that on, on, on May 4th, when this primary is over and we have a candidate, Ohio Republicans are going to have, you know, a strong candidate. We're going to have winning issues and we're going to have the resources to get across the finish line in November. Um, is Josh Mandel still the candidate to beat on your side of the ticket as we talk going into this weekend? You know, we're really excited to, to see how how this plays out. You know, there's there's I think about 12 days left at the time of taping for yeah. uh, for voters to go to the polls um, and cast their ballots. Um, well, I'm sure we'll see a number of polls come out next week and before oh, yeah. the primary. And we'll see what kind of impact, uh, you know, the candidates are able to have in the closing in the closing days. Uh, John, uh, Dan Lanschek, my gas communication director, Ohio Republican Party. With all of Mr. Trump's influence on voters, real or imagined, and I think in this state it's quite real, he doesn't seem to be having much reach or effect in the governor's race. Mike DeWine seems to be in a pretty comfy position, doesn't he? Yeah, Governor DeWine and Lieutenant Governor John Houston, they've, they've done a tremendous job for the people of Ohio. Um, they've earned four more years. Um, we're not seeing anything that would indicate that voters are, are going to turn and, and elect somebody else. And, and in that race, you know, specifically the Ohio Republican Party's 66 member committee uh, voted to endorse our incumbent candidates. So we're, we're very excited over the next um, next week, week and a half to, to get out the vote, talk to uh, Ohio voters about Governor Mike DeWine's strong record and and help him you know once again win the uh, governor's office in november all right folks uh, we're a little troubled uh, early on here at least uh, we're hearing reports that turnout is dismal i think elections work best when more people are involved uh, early voting's open been open for a while but you know it still comes down to voting day and uh, so our, our challenge to everybody is you know, make time it's easy to do you still have time to early vote but be part of the process. It is important. I don't care which party, non-party you, you are part of. Uh, Dan Leshek, interesting stuff. Great times to be um, playing the political game here in the great Buckeye State. We'll talk on the other side of the primary, okay? Sounds great. Thanks again, Jerry, for having me on. And we, we encourage every you know, Ohioan to make sure they get to the polls on, on May 3rd. It's an important election year, and it starts with this primary. And we'll be right back on Leading Edge. Hey, welcome back to Leading Edge. Good to have you guys along. While those statewide primary races are certainly generating most of the buzz and a whole lot of cash, frankly, for TV stations, and we thank you for running your ads, there's a contested partisan primary in Lucas County, folks, that is really juicy. I mean, a good old-fashioned intra-party squabble. Some would say family fight. Well, I don't know. Let's find out. That's because my next guest is challenging an incumbent from her own party. Democratic State Representative Lisa Sebecki. Um, welcome back to Leading Edge. While Lisa uh, currently, I'm sorry, Ms. Sebecki, currently represents her Toledo district, which at last, I think it was 45, <laughs> down in Columbus, uh, she has opted out of what would really likely be a safe return trip down through uh, 23. Uh, she's 
she's turned her back on that to challenge Lucas County Commissioner and fellow Democrat Gary Byers. Ms. Sabaki, good to see you. I say likely safe return because we still don't know what those districts are ultimately <laughs> going to look like. Can you start me with a, a, a quick take? You were recruited to, to run this race. Is that right? I mean, by whom? I, I, I would say the recruitment came from Lucas County um, residents okay. have asked me for um, a number of well over a year and a half um, to consider running for Lucas County Commissioner. I listened to that um, as I was doing many talks throughout the state and um, took a little bit more interest as people continue to call me and, and, and ask me to put my name into the hat. And like I've done when I've been at the State House um, and doing my work now is I always represent my constituents. So I, I put my name into the hat and here we are running for the May 3rd primary. Now, same party or a different party. I always ask this, but either party, any race. I always say to challengers that you are in effect asking voters to fire your opponent and hire you. And I'm going to get to why they should hire you. But I want to ask, why should Gary Byers be fired? Well, I don't think it's, it's being fired. Um, is that every four years we have an election for um, for, for this particular seat. Right. So it is, you know, it's running for an office. And I stepped up to the plate from the ask of Lucas County voters. Now, so let's let's play this out, because I said, why should people hire you? Let's get a little bit more specific. What would be your top priorities after being elected in the fall? And yes, a reminder, folks, May is a primary. Whoever wins this thing will have a Republican challenger, Sylvania Township Trustee John Genowine, in November. Top priorities if you win in November. Thank you very much, Jerry, for that question. Um, some of my top priorities is to bring stakeholders to the table. We need to talk about internal and external within our county. Internally, how are we um, operating as a county? And then externally, how are we working, say, for example, with the $83 million that we received from the Biden administration on the recovery plan. And I think that we, we need to bring those stakeholders to the table when we're looking at spending taxpayer dollars. Is it your contention then that Mr. Byers, who is one third of us, a three person, you guys know this, there are three county commissioners, uh, that that board is acting too independently, too insular, too insulated from the stakeholders, to use your word? Jerry, I have not seen any conversations with stakeholders. Um, something I've prided myself as um, a state representative, even during the pandemic, I held town hall meetings, met with taxpayers, talked about what's going on in Columbus, asked them what they um, thought about different um, pieces of legislation going forward, and I'll continue to do that work. I did that same kind of type of work when I was on school board for eight years, and we eight were years. doing the Building for Success program. Toledo Public School, absolutely. Thank you for your service there. Now, local governments, as you know, and you've already alluded to it, are sitting on a ton of cash. Um, what are your concerns about the current commissioners? I mean, because this cash is here one time, people. You know, mm -hmm. it's a, use it, use it wisely. But if you're going to invest in something that then needs maintenance money down the road, you got to ask yourself, where's that coming from? So what are your concerns? Because you have voiced them about the current commissioners and this windfall of money. Uh, thank you, Jerry. Uh, just like 
I'm going to take you back a few years when Toledo Public Schools was building the $820 million projects throughout the state. And I had the pleasure, or not the state, excuse me, in Toledo. I had the pleasure of serving on the committee that oversaw that project the whole entire time. And some of the questions I would ask is how are we going to maintain these buildings after we build them with taxpayer dollars? Yes, there's some requirements from the state, but I ask that we step it up a notch and how we maintain those. Those are one-time gifts the taxpayers gave us then. And this is one-time gifts that we have um, received from um, the Biden administration. So we should be protecting those dollars and maintaining those dollars. Let me give you one where the rubber meets the road from this current administration in recent years, because it's an issue you want to address. 911, we all want it when we have an emergency. The county brought the 91, various 911 call centers together. That rubs you the wrong way. How? Well, Jerry, I'm not against the cog. Let me make, make that clear. But what I'm against is that how it was implemented and how and our number one priority, my number one priority as a Lucas County Commissioner is safety for our community. And the problem is, is that we it was implemented and turned on without the proper training, without the proper people and staff. And we, we've seen exactly what's happened from that. And so um, we, you know, and citizens, I've sat down with citizens, I've gone to citizens groups meetings and listened to their concerns around this. And so I think that we really need to um, look at how that was implemented and make sure that our, our, our dispatchers, for example, have the tools in place to be able to do their job. And we need to also hire more dispatchers. We're very short um, staffed with dispatchers. They're working extremely long hours in a very extremely stressful um, position. We're gonna gonna have to call it there just for time. I'm really loaded for time here. (laughs) Thank you, Lisa Sebecki, state representative. She would like to be Lucas County Commissioner. Her name is on the ballot in the Democratic primary. The primary fast approaching May 3rd. Folks, we hear turnout early on is really low. Get out, be part of the process. Ms. Sebecki, always good to have you on the show. Thanks. Thank you, Jerry. And we'll be back with the person she would like to replace as a county commissioner on Leading Edge. And welcome back to Leading Edge. My next guest is the incumbent Lucas County Commissioner, Ms. Sebecki, hopes to unseat come May 3rd. Gary Byers was elected to his post back in 2018. But before that, he really came into the local political spotlight as the judge of Maumee Municipal Court for some 24 years. Gary, as I recall, you also served as part of the hierarchy of the local Democratic Party for a time, didn't you? Well, I was director of the Board of Elections for Board a couple of, of years and, and worked with Mike Beasley. There uh, we go. Right. And uh, so uh, my loose association with Michael uh, sort of uh, put me into that circle, but I wouldn't say I was uh, quite a leader. Uh, do you think, okay, let's talk about your current party leadership. I mean, here we are in this kind of, I've called it a family fight, intra-party squabble. Should your current party leadership have prevented this family face-off, if you will? Well, the only thing I can say is that when Democrats are attacking Democrats, that helps Republicans. And, and so every time that we have, uh, you know, this type of thing going on, the money that could be spent in November is being spent in, in the primary election. But that's the way the system is set up. I, I, as a former elections director, I think voters know what the right thing is to do, and they're going to try to do the right thing. And uh, so in that respect, I think we have to trust the voters. Um, 
I do see, because uh, I observe these things, boy, there is power in incumbency. Whole lot of news conferences um, involving you and the other commissioners, and then usually a host of people to run you. Case in point, just this week, Gary, you were there. Um, the, the recent stand against that proposed don't say gay bill here in Ohio. And, it, you know, it's called sweeping the country, Florida, most recently, right? Sure. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that should be a, a Lisa Sebecki issue because she's still working in Columbus. And I'm just wondering if you guys don't have, if not bigger, because that is a big issue, but other local or more, more local fish to fry. Well, we have a history of, of, as the Board of County Commissioners, of taking a stand on issues that we think are wrong. Uh, we took an, a stand against House Bill 6, uh, which uh, attached uh, additional monies to each of our utility bills uh, to bail out First Energy and, and some of their subsidiaries. Uh, we took a stand against a bill, 616 is a mean-spirited bill that, that draws differences, uh, and, and rather than celebrating diversity, it celebrates our differences in a way that, that is mean and divisive. And, and so we have a tradition of standing up against those things. Uh, it's more symbolic than anything, but I think that it's, it's right. When you see something wrong, you have to stand up and say so. Right, I asked Ms. Shabaki on the program, I said, hey, you're, you're challenging in. Um, tell me why you think you should replace Gary Byers. So I'm going to ask you, what specific initiatives have you championed that you will tell voters should earn you another term as county commissioner? Well, as you mentioned at this, the, the top of this, this uh, segment, uh, I was a judge for 24 years. 71% uh, of the county budget deals with justice-related issues, whether it's the common pleas court, whether it's the jail, uh, whether it's the probation departments, whether it is uh, incarceration, uh, all of those things, evictions, uh, all of those things come within the purview of the county commissioners. And having someone that has been on the bench uh, and has served in that capacity and has an understanding of how those systems interact and how a separate branch of government uh, is interacted with appropriately from the Board of County Commissioners is something that has been useful. Uh, we've been able to do uh, initiatives uh, that help the justice system. Uh, we increased uh, appointed council fees so people that are indigent will have appropriate representation. Uh, we proceeded with the MacArthur Foundation as far as making sure that nonviolent offenders are not held needlessly in jail, those types of things. Uh, Ms. Becky charges that you guys are spending rescue plan money on projects that will require ongoing funding beyond these current one-time handouts. Why isn't that a legitimate concern? We have tried to spend, and it's not just me, it's, it's my fellow commissioners as sure. well, uh, we have tried to maximize the benefit of this federal money. It's, it's one-time money. Yep. I'm sure you, know, you and I both in our combined experience will never see uh, money coming from the federal government like this again. So we need to, to maximize the, the benefit and make it as, as ongoing and beneficial for the community. So we've tried to, to use this in different areas. We've done rental relief, uh, as far as helping families that are, are being evicted. But we've also tried to uh, invest in capital projects that will have economic 
growth going over the, the, the next 20 years. Uh, the, the, the programs that we're doing as far as renovation of the convention center, uh, the, the new ballroom, the, the, the hotel, uh, the Lucas County Canine Care and Control Facility, all of these are projects that will benefit the community going into the future. Uh, the convention project alone is supposed to create $800 million worth of economic growth over the next 20 years. And, and that's how we continue the maximal benefit for the community going forward is to to use it in a smart way and uh, try to make it as effective as possible. Local labor has always had a large and loud and powerful voice in the Democratic Party, be it locally or nationally, statewide. I look at this challenge to your position there. Is this labor flexing its muscles in a power struggle? Would I be wrong if I asserted that? I don't think I would characterize it quite that way. I, I mean, I was a UAW guy. Uh, you know, it's uh, I welded uh, after college before I went to law school at the Lordstown plant uh, outside of Youngstown. My wife was a teamster. My kids are all members of unions. Uh, it, there are segments of, of labor uh, community that that uh, want to exert themselves in certain ways. But, uh, you know, we believe that that the, the working people of our community are important. Uh, we have project labor agreements on all of our projects to make sure that we're using and maximizing labor uh, initiatives, uh, that they will have the work uh, when it comes to the projects that we're doing. Right. All of these are things. Uh, the rest of it, this will work out. Uh, right. I, I wouldn't characterize it as you know, I'm pro-labor. Uh, individual disagreements from time to time happen. All right. Got to leave it right there for time. I'd love to do much more, but they, a lot of folks want airtime, and I'm glad to give it to them, and I'm glad you spent time. He's Lucas County Commissioner. Gary Byers uh, wants to return. He's on the uh, primary ballot, and the primary is Tuesday the 3rd. Commissioner, thanks very much. Good to see you, Jerry. And we will be right back. Thanks so much for watching. Have a great week. See you next week on Leading Edge.